0: This is the Hidden Why Podcast, episode six hundred and forty-six, with Akshay Nanavati. Today's episode is all about Fearvana, the science of turning fear into health, wealth, and happiness. Enjoy the show. What up? What up? What up? G'day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. I hope you're well, guys. Today I am talking to Akshay Nanavati. And we're talking about his new book, which is called Fear Vana, the revolutionary science of how to turn your fear into health, wealth, and happiness. You see, after overcoming drug addiction himself, post traumatic distress disorder, alcoholism that pushed him to the brink of suicide, Akshay has dedicated himself to a path of mastery and service. Today, he is a US Marine veteran ultra runner explorer speaker entrepreneur and author of the book fear vana man this guy has some endurance in him it's just amazing what he's been able to do such an inspiring conversation, so much to learn, so much to share. I walked away feeling very inspired and certainly uh, got myself into my runners and went for a pretty significant in my books jog. Guys, I'm sure you'll be inspired too by this conversation. So let me know what you think by jumping on the hiddenwide.com and sharing your comments in the comments fields there. You can also reach me directly through Facebook, through email and any other methods you can attempt to try. That is fine. Guys, I hope you're very well keep your eye out for the ultimate life map but guys the book is coming i can promise you it's just taking me a lot longer than i once thought guys enjoy this episode with akshay akshay welcome to the hidden why podcast how are you today mate doing very well thank you for having me on the show yeah thanks for joining me looking forward to um the
1: conversation likewise likewise my friend what
0: are you up to in the world these days
1: Right now, I'm uh, training hard. I'm in the midst of my first 100-mile week ever, training to run 210 miles across Liberia in October to help build a first sustainable school in post-war, post-war Liberia.
0: 210 miles, obviously a great yep. cause. What's that in kilometers, <laughs> do you know? It's probably uh, what is that? 130 that kilometers is... or
1: something like that? No, so it'll be more kilometers. More, That'll be... oh, like 300 yeah, and something. So t- 400 plus, I think. I don't have to do exact. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can Google Google it real quick. <laughs> but, what, yeah. What inspires
0: sure. someone to run such a distance?
1: I actually, as crazy as it may sound, I got into ultra running when I was in Iraq with the U.S. Marines. So, uh, I was iraq in 2007 and obviously at that point i was fairly fit because i was in the marines and i'd done a lot of outdoor sports climbing in the himalayas climbing bolivia denali i mean not denali sorry but in alaska uh rock climbing scuba diving you name it got a big time in outdoor sports and in iraq you know we were pretty stressful environment as you might imagine yeah. it's a war zone and uh we didn't have a lot of time off but i read this book ultra marathon man by dean Carnassus. i don't know if you've heard of it or read it no um awesome book. And it inspired me and got me an ultra running. So we had this tiny little base out there. And so whatever spare time we had, sometimes I would get up to three hours of running just around this tiny, tiny little base. Because inside the base, you could run walk around without your flak jackets and your Kevlar's, like the, the body armor. Outside, you had to be in a vehicle convoys and in full, you know, full protective gear. But inside, you were free to kind of roam around. So I used to run around sometimes for hours. And I got we'll just run around right in circles in the base just run around in circles <laughs> and <then laughs> how do you I entertain back, yourself I like
0: i mean one of one of those things that because i like um not quite the distances you do but I, I just certainly like swimming and and running um you know up to an hour at a time but anything longer
1: nice um okay. i haven't
0: got into just yet but how do you keep yourself entertained when you're doing that like it's just thought do you listen to music
1: uh it's a bit of everything sometimes music sometimes maybe a podcast uh Often these days, I'm practicing not listening and just being still with my thoughts and seeing what shows up. Uh, so sometimes just nothing and just allowing my mind to take me where it goes and being with the joy, the pain, all of it, whatever shows up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Wow. It's a um, beautiful experience. Yeah. Well, look, I um, so you started the uh, running over there in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And, just and then when I came back,
1: well, I actually, I mean, I had some low moments when I got back. I was diagnosed with post traumatic stress disorder, okay. struggled with depression, struggled with alcoholism. I mean, I was got to a point that I was on the verge of suicide. What year was this? And so it so I came back from the war in 2008. Yeah. And I think it really got bad many, many years later, around the 2013, 14, 15, around the, that time frame. Yeah. That it slowly started to descend and get worse. Um, I don't remember exactly what year that that but it was definitely after thir- 2013 I remember that so maybe a few years after that that it started to really get bad that I hit this sort of low moment where I was just woke up after 5 days of binge drinking and just thought to myself that there would be no point going on cuz this pattern of drinking and sobering up would never end and that was a shocker to me that I would even think that you <laughs> you get to that
0: point. yes yeah, so tell us a little bit about that cuz it um yeah it sort of doesn't make too much sense to me because I haven't experienced it but um mm-hmm. so i mean obviously you're, youre you're trained as a marine um you went to mm-hmm. iraq um'm obviously mm-hmm. quite active and fit and um you know probably outgoing ambitious i imagine
1: mm-hmm.
0: um what what changes it like what what causes you to go into post traumatic stress disorder
1: you know when I came back right when I got back i Had lost a friend in the war Even before I left I always felt that I should have gone with him And should have been me instead of him Uh, When I I came back I felt guilty that I was alive and back And I didn't get shot I didn't lose a limb Uh, It was this kind of What right did I have to be happy To be alive To be anything, you know And when I I, I lost a junior Marine to suicide Soon after coming back And life in this world is very complicated So I struggled with that I kept wanting to go back to war And, uh, you know, I didn't get the chance and finally then I met my uh wife at the time uh in grad school we uh got married so that was when I was like okay let me get out the marines I had a corporate job for a year and a half and you know I was I was like I was doing well in the sense I had a good corporate job I quit after quitting I built my own business and all was going well but there were days when suddenly like I mean, I wasn't one of those people who would drink every day, but when I did drink, I drank heavily, hmm. and slowly that started to become a problem. So I finally went and got checked out by the by the, the VA, the hospital, because my my wife and I were going through some issues, and so she's, Ooh. and so I did, and that's that's when I was diagnosed with PTSD, and um, so is and that quite common?
0: This, like to, I mean, uh, for your your colleagues et cetera, to come back and and have that sort of traumatic experience. Um, start to sort of feel like that like feel guilty that they're alive feel guilty that you know that they are healthy or you know whatever
1: yeah survivor's guilt is a very common thing you you hear in in the veteran space a lot of veterans come back with post-traumatic stress disorder or at least diagnosed with it Uh, i came to develop my own relationship with the like as I, as I healed myself, well, you know, after hitting that low moment, I came to learn a lot about that the symptoms of post-traumatic stress doesn't mean it's a disorder. So I think we over-diagnose people and the problem with that is what happens is then, and the same thing happened to me, is that when you label a disorder, you feel like there's something wrong with you. So anytime something happens, it's because, oh, there's a disorder, I have a disorder. And it becomes a part of your self-identity about how you identify with yourself, oh, with who you are. And what I came to learn through my research in my own healing, to get to the point that I finally am at now, Is that, you know, I could have the symptoms of post-traumatic stress like survivor's guilt, like jumping when there's loud noises, like not liking crowds, all that kind of thing. But those are very normal human responses to an experience like war. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. Yeah. And I learned to channel that into good. And eventually through all the work I'm doing now.
0: That's very interesting. So how long did that sort of, I suppose down part last for? I mean, that carry on for
1: some time. Was it a year, you know, six months? It lasted for a little bit because I was, again yeah, one of those, quote-unquote, you can call it like a functioning uh, alcoholic. Like I was still able to run 20-plus miles. I was still, you know, having a fairly successful business. We were traveling, my wife and me I had a great marriage. So all of it was going well, but it was just this slow descent till I hit that really dark moment. And after that, you know— I didn't, I intentionally, I would say, didn't sober up right away. I made a decision to kind of mo- moderate my drinking, which I did for a little while and started to research. I mean, I read hundreds of books in neuroscience, psychology, spirituality to heal myself, which ultimately led me on this far more meaningful and kind of deeper quest to figure out how do we all develop this? How do we navigate struggle? How do we develop a positive relationship to struggle and and use it as an access point to our bliss and and enlightenment itself, which which is what led me to this concept of fear of Anna. But it was on the climb up. And then, you know, I moderated my drinking for a while, but sometimes these triggers would hit that would send me in these spirals of three to five day binge drinking sessions once again. And finally, I just said, you know what, there's no point. I'm not, I finally embraced the fact that I'm not really good at moderation. And I just channeled my addiction into now crazy long distance running <laughs> and my business. So my addictive personality is now embraced in a very positive way.
0: <laughs> That's interesting. And um, I can certainly relate because I'd like to have a drink. And when I do, I, I mm-hmm. you know, I can go overboard. Um, and, and the whole thing about moderation, sometimes I wonder whether, you know, whether it's possible or whether it's actually just mm, some people mm. can moderate and some people can't. Um, yeah. and I certainly love the idea that you can channel that obsession into something that's perhaps well questionable, um, more healthy, but you know, endurance <laughs> running and stuff like that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of wear and tear on the body that can come from that too. Oh, without but, a doubt. Um, yeah. certainly, um, I, I appreciate that and perhaps that's why I do like to swim and, and run. You know, love it. Uh, yeah, probably above average distances.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, no, I love it, and I think you know, I think that's what I've come to learn is that our demons can be our greatest allies if we learn to engage them and channel them instead of running away from them. But we often live in a world that's constantly trying to look for the easy way out. You know, we're constantly running away from ourselves through TV, through music, through Netflix, through our phones, yeah, through absolutely. alcohol, the, through drugs, and if we just be still, mm. exactly. And if we just be still and really channel what shows up, it's not easy. It's far from easy. But if we engage those those thoughts, those demons, whatever shows up, we can really then be present to it in order to channel it into something meaningful.
0: Well, let's talk about That's healing because obviously you yeah. went through that process yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And you know it's going to be different for everyone, I'm sure, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to what extent their healing needs to be and, and what sort mm-hmm. of trauma they've gone through. Um so this these demons that come up, I mean, that can be any past experience trauma that you then attach to as mm-hmm. part of your self identity. Um, mm-hmm. But ha- what was the healing process like for you? I mean, you talked about
1: reading books, which
0: I think is a great you know start point for anyone. Yeah.
1: I mean reading books Is definitely a starting point But then you obviously Got to take action on it Right So realizing like A key element of that Was like real Was again what I, what I touched on earlier But to dig deeper into it Is that Realizing that the symptoms Of post-traumatic stress Are not indicative of a disorder And what that means Is realizing on a, on a larger scale Taking that sort of To the next level Is that We are not our thoughts We are not our emotions We are not these These things that run in our brain We're something more than that And we get to create What that is So I You know When I hit that low moment And when they, it was diagnosed Post-traumatic stress And I see this with friends of mine Too. When they were diagnosed, that label becomes a part of us and saying, you know what? I am not an alcoholic. I don't like the that that AA type treatment when they say I am an alcoholic. I don't think that's the best way to do it. Because that again becomes a part of your self-identity. I said, I'm not all these things. I've gone through these things, but I can be more, you know? And and I think the key element is recognizing that we are not all these things so we can then create something else from it and acknowledging that we don't actually control what first shows up in our brain so neuroscience and spirituality have both shown that when like like again in going to the war example i lived in a place in seven months where loud noises equals death right inevitably when i come back i'm going to be a little bit more jumpy than the average person my brain learned to say loud noises equals death so be vigilant of loud so noise you got that memory there and mm-hmm. exactly it ingrains into it your subconscious it was something i could no longer control but what happens is the world tells us like i mean Another example, I had a friend who went to the VA, uh, a veteran friend went to the therapist and he said, you know, anger is a choice. You need to stop being angry. He came to, and after seven years after the war, he came to me and I said, that's wrong. Anger right now is for you no longer a choice. It's a pattern that is beyond your control. What you need to do is instead be present to the anger, accept the anger, not try to fight it when it shows up and just be with it. And for the first time in seven years, he was able to let his anger dissipate by simply being with the emotion. Because the problem is we demonize emotions. We say things things like fear, stress, anxiety, guilt, anger are all negative, but they're not negative. They're just emotions. Every emotion is just an emotion. It's up to us to decide what we do with them. So again, for example, my survivor's guilt became my greatest ally. I had a picture of my friend that I lost in the war saying. Saying, this should have been you earn this life and my survivor's guilt became a tool to finish my book to just to, a tool for service uh, for everything that I'm doing now in the work that I'm doing in the for the world, so realizing that and then having clarity on what is your worthy struggle. I call it your worthy struggle, that is your path. It is essential to not fill that, like to to not leave whatever is whatever's there as a void. You know, I'm coming out of this dark place, not leaving that void, but filling it with something. I've lost friends to drug addiction way back in high school. Before joining the Marines, I had my own battle with drug addiction, lost two friends, lost friends to suicide, lost friends to alcoholism, all kinds of stuff, right? Mm. And the big challenge there is because they're leave, they come out of the darkness and they leave it with the void. You need to find some worthy struggle to consume your soul, and then develop a positive relationship to the struggle that will inevitably ever you pursue. Because worthwhile pursuing is going to be hard, and that's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. So let's just delve into this worthy struggle. Um. Yeah. Trying to get my mind around it. So I, I suppose just backstepping a bit, we've got these demons in, our, in ourselves, and we have mm-hmm. this, you know, method mm-hmm. outlets of escapism um, that perhaps aren't doing us any good. How do we, like if we don't know of the trauma, I mean, obviously you had an experience that um, is, is, you know, it seems quite obvious that that is where your trauma could come from. But for mm-hmm. many of us that are living out there, perhaps they can't really connect with, you know, mm-hmm. what that that struggle is. I mean, is that is that mm-hmm. true or is that?
1: Yeah, no, I understand what you mean, especially if somebody's gone through a very traumatic experience as a childhood. Sometimes the brain um, shuts off that experience, so it's not in your conscious it's memory. Not it yeah. just Exactly. It just leaves, lives deep in your subconscious, and you're not fully present to it, and, th- and that can you know, cause all kinds of issues in your, d- in your day-to-day life if you're not careful. So I totally agree that can be present. Um, th- I mean, the way, to, the way to engage that is really to, again, practice stillness more to be with it more. To the, the big problem with a lot of forms of therapy is they send you into the darker, deeper spaces without, from a very negative space. And, and I'll explain why that's a problem because the way memory works is every time you think about a past event, you're not actually thinking about the event. You're thinking about the last time you thought about that event. So you're literally re, like you're recreating the physical neuronal structure of a memory every time you think about it. So why this is a problem for therapy is that if you think about, a, let's say, an event over and over and over and over again, and every time you think about it, you're in a negative space, you're recreating that memory and you're attaching that negativity, that 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 um, that kind of neuronal memory, that wiring. You're reattaching it to the memory every single time. So it becomes stronger so in, and stronger. Exactly. Mm. It becomes stronger and stronger. And that was, I mean, when I went to the VA therapist, that was what was happening. They kept putting me in a, you're in this negative space thinking about these memories, about, you know, whatever the issue may be. And realizing that, you know, first putting yourself in a positive state and then recreating the experience. Because, look, we all go through suffering at some point or the other. We can assign degrees of suffering, but degrees of suffering are all relative, right? Like there's people who seemingly have everything. Like look at the Anthony Bourdains of the world. Amazing guy. Had everything we could think of that, you know, a person could want and took his own life. You know, I don't know what was going through. And obviously I completely empathize and it's awful what happened. But the point is we could— there, on outside the objectively it could appear that somebody has everything but everybody's battling their own demons so really accepting that you know whatever shows up it's okay it's not part of us and engaging that and allowing ourselves That's, to then channel into something meaningful
0: how do we approach it with a positive light because I, I heard it on um, another podcast i was listening to the other day and it, it's it's just sort of struck with me like we get up we look in the mirror and we go geez i'm getting fat you know we attach ourselves <laughs> to that and it becomes negative <laughs> and then we say oh, i do something about that and um you know, it how do we how do we approach it with a positive light while still being with you know with the, the ne- struggle that we yeah. yeah, the negative?
1: The big thing is having clarity on what you're gonna pursue. Like it's so important to have that worthy what I call your worthy struggle. Like having some some mission some mission to strive for in service of yourself and more importantly in service of others because neuroscience has shown if you think about your life and think about a goal in in the perspective of serving others it can help release oxytocin in the brain oxytocin is quote-unquote the love hormone as it's referred to and oxytocin helps you channel and move through fear it won't eliminate the experience of fear but it'll help you move through it better and so having that worthy struggle will give you direction it'll give you clarity otherwise again you're sitting and leaving yourself in that void you know so It's 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 key to be like present to the stillness to engage whatever shows up, but also realizing that even the experience of trauma itself is relative, like what constitutes trauma, right? Mm. Why is one experience trauma traumatic rather than the other is war truly a traumatic experience? What makes it so? You know, uh, I mean, there's there's a I'll give you a quick example. There's a tribe in Brazil where these 16 year old boys have to wear a glove filled with bullet ants when they turn 16. Bullet ants have the most powerful bite, according Ooh, to the Schmidt Sounds index. Like fun.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, they're called bullet ants because people have compared the bite to like getting shot by a bullet. Wow. And they have to wear a glove filled with these. Now, if I did this to a child in America, I would go to jail for child abuse. Right. <laughs> but. In Brazil, this is a normal part of their upbringing. Is that a traumatic experience? For them, it's a part of, it's an evolution that of, of their greater self, right? So the nature of what we constitute is, is, is traumatic, is relative. And ultimately, it boils down to kind of what I touched on earlier. But the single most important skill we can do in life is to develop a positive relationship to the experience of suffering. If we can suffer well, however suffering may show up, we will thrive no matter what happens and no matter what life throws at us. That's really cool
0: uh men you talk uh, at a rapid pace i so would uh, be interested to listen back to this at that time and a half I, I speed get,
1: i get excited <laughs>
0: yeah, i like the passion so the worthy struggle is really having a, a greater purpose having a goal something to strive towards that can help um help you replace not replace but better be with that struggle better be with that suffering that exactly. you might be experiencing
1: yeah yeah, it's definitely not – this is a key element too. I'm glad you touched on it. It's not as a replacement or to run away because, again, like I realized a long time ago some of the quote-unquote positive things I was doing. Like right after quitting my corporate job, I spent one month dragging a 190-pound sled for 550 kilometers across the world's second largest ice cap in temperatures as low as minus 40 degrees. Yeah, it's like fun. also – Awesome thing, yeah, beautiful experience, uh, you know, fun slash miserable at the same time, and and something positive. I got invited to speak at a lot of places because of this, but truth be told, I was doing these things as as a means of running away from myself still. Today, I still do these kind of things, like I run across countries, I do these intense experiences, but I do them from a very different level of consciousness. This is where that practice of stillness mm-hmm. is really important, To to say that, like, I still go through moments where I have... I wake up with severe anxiety. I go through – like I watch sometimes war movies. They break me down crying. Uh, the other day I was in the gym and I started tearing up because I just – it just hits me. I've just become really present and, and allowed myself to accept it but not not running – so the worthy struggle is not as a means to run away from your demons. It becomes a way to to channel your demons into something meaningful in service of because we you know we all have a long life it's a long and beautiful journey and what are we going to do with it? Well, it can become uh, just
0: another escapism, like you know, exactly drinking alcohol. It's it's a it's exactly. a way to numb um, that suffering exactly. rather than be with it. So, um, totally get that. Um, yeah. So let's just delve into that a little bit. Like, how do we how do we use it in a way? Like, let's just say for me now, I've got this idea in my head that I want to run a triathlon. Um, uh-huh. Never run more than 10 Ks in my life before, so I'm confident I can do it. Um, uh-huh. How do we use that as a way to, you know, in a positive way rather than just a way to escape
1: from, you know, whatever's causing us a bit of suffering in life? Yeah. Uh, it's a relentless, relentless, relentless practice of that self awareness to engage yourself, practice some stillness. Meditation is a good so way to do
0: meditation, yeah.
1: I do. Um, I sit still staring into a wall. I learned this exercise has an endurance cyclist friend of mine. So unlike meditation where you're closing your eyes and anchoring your thoughts onto your breath, in this case, you're letting your thoughts go free and wild and seeing what shows up. And a great way, I mean you're talking about doing a triathlon, is to actually push yourself to the limits where one part of you wants to quit and uh, and a big part of you wants to quit and you just hate everything about that experience when you push yourself into the deepest darkest corners of your soul like the, every you know every part of you is hating this this is why i love long distance running and and you'll probably experience this in your tries you might have already experienced a plenty of it in your training is that when you push yourself to that line to that limits of what you think you you know you have within yourself and you rise above it you you enter a new state of your own evolution. It mm-hmm. allows you to tap into something so much greater that you don't even know you have. And through engaging those demons, you allow, like when you're again at this moment, you know, like 20 miles into a run sometimes or uh, whatever it may be, I just hate life. And uh, I love that experience. And not sometimes when I'm in it, <laughs> mm-hmm. but later on, you know, this is why I love Longness is Running because you get to experience intense highs, intense lows, and everything in between. And these experiences allow you to figure out who you are. Who do you want to be? What do you want to create in your life? You know, Pushing yourself to those limits that are beyond what you think you're capable of and then balancing it with an experience of stillness and, and meditation. I mean, I recently heard I was just at a Jack Canfield event and he said that uh, he interviewed a bunch of successful entrepreneurs, billionaires, and almost all of them have a meditation ritual. Uh, so embracing stillness is something that I used to run away from a big, big, big time. It still scares me, but it's something that I've found... Um, invaluable in so what of does your forever.
0: practice look like today like as far as you know your daily routine around stillness and meditation
1: uh so but part of it is so i actually have my morning ritual i have so i'm big into systems thinking so i create systems that i have on my phone for literally everything uh, <laughs> so i'm opening up my morning ritual here what, what by, do you mean uh, by
0: systems oh like just having a system of
1: Creating lists and okay. like and, and and systematizing everything. So my all morning right. ritual is systematized. My run is systematized. So I all I do is I don't have to think about it. I don't waste cognitive energy. I open up a list and I follow that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for example, with my meditation uh, morning ritual: smile and express gratitude chant for 10 minutes meditate for 10 minutes brush my teeth weigh myself drink one glass of water with trace minerals review visualize and stay present to the long-term visions review goals and detail plan for the day and a prayer that's my morning ritual and then i have another one for the night ritual and a big pra- practice of me for stillness is also now running without an ipod so allowing my All thoughts right. to go go wild that's a yeah, it's a diff- diff- mm. different kind of stillness but it is definitely um a valuable experience to do that while you're without your iPod because it uh, you, you go into different spaces, yeah. You unplug, yeah,
0: front. totally, yeah. Um, exactly. so that that list I mean, that systemized list it's interesting itself. Um, I like it and I don't like it, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> um, and I, I just wonder like, because for me, I would, I would probably write something like that down, and then after a couple of weeks of getting used to it, I, it just becomes irrelevant, I don't need it um is that what you find or do you still get in the habit of pulling it out because i totally appreciate too that if you get in that habit of pulling it out even though you know exactly what's in in order and what's happening
1: mm-hmm.
0: um it actually perhaps allows you to be more sustainable in that practice
1: yeah uh because you know like i mean firstly this 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 list didn't come happen overnight it was a big okay this thing doesn't work let me move things around let me tweak it so it was a constant practice of practicing it tweaking it figuring out what works best and then changing adapting the list accordingly but i like having a list because i don't have to think often when you wake up if you're t- like you know uh you know anything when you're tired when you when you're something else is in your mind if you if you exercise cognitive energy it's it's cognitive energy. It's, it, it can, it's slightly affecting, I'd rather save my and conserve that energy for everything uh, else I need to focus on. So that's why I like to have the list that, I mean, on, honestly, if you ask me off the top of my head, what is your morning ritual? I couldn't tell you unless I look at that list hmm. and I don't care. Like I don't want to remember it. I could not care less that I don't remember it, you know, because all I do is pull up the list and I follow it. So I, it's very intentional that I'm not trying to uh, uh, remember it sometimes it'll come to me fairly yeah. organically but but i'm really trying you know make the like it's it's not worth my energy to even bother to remember it i'll just follow the system
0: Yeah, yeah, i like it okay so <laughs> talking about stillness and meditation um certainly i, I like the idea of you know <laughs> i don't know if i like the idea of it but um <laughs> sitting down and staring at a wall that's an interesting it's, i haven't heard that before and um I know. learned it
1: from an endurance cyclist friend of mine who did it. He would do it for up to 24 hours and then go riding for 24 hours. What? Sit and which stare at a wall? Sit and stare at a wall. What yeah. do you get up and go to the toilet? What's going on there? <laughs> uh, I can't remember. I didn't get into too many details. I'm sure I guess he did, but but he would just sit still because like when he does this endurance cyclist, he, d- he used to race across America, which is like one of the toughest endurance cyclist races in the world. Uh, he would r- cross America on a bike in like. 10, 11 days sleeping a total of 10, 11, 10, 11 hours the entire time, and so when you're on that, you're you're practicing, you're gonna be hallucinating. There's sleep deprivation. There's engaging with your mind. Your mind will take you everywhere. So, training to sit still and stare into the wall is to practice being with that mind, and Mm. it's not easy. First time I did this, I set my timer for 45 minutes and put my phone aside, and I thought my timer was broken. (laughs) Mm. I was like, something's wrong. It's there's no way 45 minutes has got to be over.
0: Yeah, well, I'm I'm surprised with meditation. Like um I mean there is times where I sit there and it, it seems like it goes forever and you get nowhere, but most yeah. of the times you, you just get into it and then you're going, Jeez, that's yeah. twenty minutes, you know, it can go pretty fast. I don't often do anything longer than that, but um mm. yeah, I guess maybe longer it might feel different. But um yeah, interesting. And and I talk about um you know, stillness meditation with a lot of the guests on the show and certainly it's oh. it's a frequent um topic that comes up. Yeah. Um yeah. just going back to Fear because, I mean that's the title of your book and um certainly we uh-huh. want to Get that message out to you guys listening. Um, You know, do check it out. Um, There's a great video for it as well. The book, um, you're supporting a great cause as well. So tell us a little bit
1: about that cause. Sure. Uh, so all the profits from the book are going to charity. So, so far we've supported a few different causes. One of the main ones has been in India uh, that works with these vic- uh, young girls, victims of sex trafficking. Beautiful work they do. So we've supported them through some of our work. Now we are supporting this uh, this cause to build a first sustainable school in post-war Liberia. Liberia has gone through a pretty brutal civil war, and uh, but they've done some amazing work. The guy I'm working with out there. He helped rescue 20,000 child soldiers during the Civil War. Amazing human being, like a truly beautiful soul. And so I'm doing this run in October, and we're leveraging the run as a sort of, you know, one, we're going to be distributing water filters along the way and bringing water to those that need it, but it's also as a means to raise funds for the school. So all the profits from the book are going towards building that school right now. So
0: tell us a little bit about the run. Like,
1: what, what's your, because what was it, 200 miles?
0: 210 miles 210 yeah 210 miles so what's the preparation look like and and the process of that like as far as timing and all, all that sort of thing it's
1: been it's been challenging learning how to balance cuz this this run is the start of many many other much much bigger runs i have planned but it's been challenging learning how to balance the extensive amount of training with this Firvana business empire that I'm looking to build as well, entire Firvana universe. So yeah. I mean, like this week, this week, for example, I just right before this, inter- right before we spoke, I uh, ran seven and a half miles right after we speak, I'm going to go do my second run and I run to all my meetings these days. So anytime I have a meeting, I run there. <laughs> <laughs> and also, also what I do, I do a lot of calls on while I'm running. So I do voice notes uh, on WhatsApp to like my various teams around the, around the world, either it's teams related to work and, or like just, you know, personal relationship and networking kind of uh, WhatsApp voice notes while I'm running. So (laughs) kind of balancing it all out, which has been fascinating because it's kind of hilarious sometimes when I'm running up a hill and my voice notes are just completely incoherent because I'm panting every two seconds. (laughs) But uh (laughs) <laughs> but I mean like this week I'll hit 100 mile a week which is 160 kilometers um this this that'll be my first 100 mile week and uh balancing it out so like I said I mean the big thing now is just running to every meeting that way I get my miles in and I'm kind of getting working you know
0: <laughs> so your goal would be just to try and run that like how long does it will it take you to run this 200 miles 210, 210
1: miles? miles we're planning and doing it 8 to 10 days giving myself 10 days max but 8 so within 21 to 25 miles
0: Okay. And do you, do you break that into to bursts? Like, how does that look?
1: Uh, probably the, the plan is probably to run all the rest of the day, engaging with people, doing the work, you know, um, hopefully speaking in some schools. We're working on the logistics for all of it right now. But this is the first of many big – I mean, I've, I've run across eight countries so far. This will be the ninth um, – but we're now, like, building better systems to to these runs, so it's not just about my run. We're going to be interviewing people. We're going to creating stories around it, filming documentaries around it, like doing a whole thing around it to really create a movement around this concept, because really the, these runs are – there's three main missions. One is to support uh, charities and causes on the ground that need the work, need the support. Two is to um, to spread fear of Anna and this concept of fear of honor around the globe, and three is to help promote global unity because I want to show people, especially in this very divisive world we're living in, that whether you're from Liberia or USA or Australia or India or South America, we're part of the same human family. You know, we go through the same fears, we got the same demons, we got the same passions, and I want to interview people, telling these stories and really sh- sharing some powerful stories along the way to show people and help bridge some of these divides and break down some of these barriers of otherness. These uh, that that ultimately is the root of all conflict and and, and animosity. So that's yep. kind of the three three main missions behind this global run because uh, as i said after liberia there'll be many many more countries i'll be running across and doing some cool work in uh, over the next over my lifetime i guess
0: <laughs> yeah yeah cool so so your weekly training plan at the moment
1: how many how many miles do you aim for a week to
0: to be running
1: this week will be my first hundred mile week ever uh yeah and then i'll probably bring it back down until liberia and then after that in 2020 i have a big 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 run planned um can't go into too many details about it yet, but I got some big, big runs planned. We're talking like thousands of miles. Uh, so uh, my goal is to kind of keep it around the hundred mile, hundred miles uh, a week uh, eventually, and yep. just start working on speed training and stuff like that. So but, what do you what yeah, do, you do be- to keep
0: your body, you know, functioning? Like as I said, there's like knee problems, joint problems. Like, how do you feed yourself? <laughs> and you've got a certain diet, like.
1: Yeah, yeah. I got a buddy of mine who uh, runs this awesome company, Fit Father Project. He, So he is kind of like my friend slash now my nutritionist. He co- He's basically directed what I need to eat. My caloric intake these days has little gone up to almost 4,000 calories a day because I'm just running so damn much. Man. I always need food, food in me. Uh, and I've also started doing a lot more emphasis on recovery work because I used to be pretty good. I've always been pretty good about training, but the truth is I never put in that much effort, effort into recovery. And the reality is if you're not going to commit to the recovery, you might as well not commit to the training. So for example, right after my run before we spoke here i did a 10 minute yoga cool down routine so i have started doing yoga I'm, I'm getting more massages regularly right. um i'm doing you know the recovery bats doing uh yeah just all the all the kind of recovery work that i need to uh definitely just my nutrition is pretty on point uh and so everything i need to to make sure i stay injury free yeah yeah so what sort of diet what sort of foods weeding uh, I do two shakes a day, a morning and afternoon is a shake, and then lunch and dinner is a uh, is a meal. So you know, balance. I actually just found out like two and a half weeks ago that I have celiac as well. So mm. now I have severe gluten allergy, uh, which has been fascinating because. I'm like not biologically designed to be a runner. I have flat feet. I have scoliosis. I have celiac and like the villi and my esophagus is all messed up. So my body's not able to absorb nutrients. And I have a blood disorder where two doctors actually told me boot camp, Marine Corps boot camp would kill me because I have less oxygen flowing through my blood. So all these conditions are not ideally suited for a runner (laughs) or anybody really. Uh, But, but, you know, I can make up with it through the power of the mind and training and all that, obviously. So my nutrition is, you know, I'm pretty, I, Taking my getting a basically it's a good balance of the uh, the carbs proteins and fats uh, uh, with a hefty amount of carb intake because I'm always needing carbs so like my morning smoothie for example is oatmeal spinach blueberries MCT oil uh, I have this systematized as well that's why I don't know it off the top of my head I can pull up my little nutrition list here yeah. and uh, <laughs> and see what you know so yeah MCT oil banana uh, protein protein powder almond butter almond milk. You know, spinach. So those are in my morning smoothies, and then a lunch is usually some sort of hefty salad with carbs. And uh, when I'm traveling, it might vary a little bit, but yeah, getting a good balance of the three macronutrients is ultimately the key. That's what you're doing. Yeah, nice one. Yeah.
0: So just the the concept of fear, Vana. Let's just recap on that. And and my takeaway is that um, we we approach things um, that are fearful. We 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 you know push through those barriers, and in doing so, we can. Um, use that as a way to be more present with any of the other suffering or past trauma that we might be experiencing. Um, give us your
1: concept of fearvana. Like, what is it? Sure. No, that's. I mean, absolutely true. And really, the idea is again, you know, because. The, we live in a world that and, and so many quote unquote Experts will say like Be fearless Don't be scared of anything We attach the words Disorder to anxiety Or stress right We say manage stress Eliminate stress Don't stress yourself out And that's all Cause that call Causes more peop, uh, people More problems Than if they were To just accept these emotions As normal human emotions That they could channel Into something positive So I define fear of As the bliss that results From engaging our fears To pursue our own Worthy struggle So the idea of fear of Is that any emotion Can be positive That there are no bad or good emotions, there's only emotions, and it's up to us to decide what we do with them. And so the ethos, the world of Firvana that I'm building is really to help people do three things. Find, live, and love their worthy struggle. And by doing so, we can live a life of boundless bliss. And that's, so the, the sort of the, the, the tagline for Fearvana is the birthplace of boundless bliss, to help people create a life of lasting bliss. And when I say that, it does not mean being happy all the time. Yeah, it yeah. means it's, it's, happiness is not the elimination of sadness, it's being able to find the gift in sadness. So you will go through stress, you will go through anxiety, you will go through fear, you'll feel guilt, you'll suffer, you'll struggle, and that's all beautiful. Everything is beautiful. With all of that, you will balance balance it with recovery, with joy, with play, all of it. It's all part of the human experience, and there's no bad and good in any of that. Everything can be beautiful. And Fear of Honor is about helping people embrace the beauty of the entire human experience.
0: Yeah, nice. Well said, so and there's a bit um, like so reading the book, what can people expect to take away? I know you've got a couple of formulas in there and, and practices and things like that, but um yeah. Yeah what, what what would you describe as as the takeaways for the book?
1: Uh, so the book is split into three sections is awareness and acceptance, action, and awakening. So that's really what it's about. The Informant. first section is all about yeah. giving people the awareness of how your brain works because most people aren't aware. As I said, we're not aware. We don't control our emotions as a result. We self-identify with them. So going, it doesn't go deep into the science because it's not meant to be a scientific book. It just, it's very pragmatic. Everything is action-based. Uh, I have training exercises at the most, of, uh, at the end of most chapters because one of my big beefs with personal development books was there's just ideas. How do I make it actionable? Hmm. So I have Action steps at the end of most chapters, um, like you said, formulas that will guide people into taking action into leveraging their fears, embracing it, understanding it, and, and channeling it into their worthy struggle. So I have a chapter on how do you find your worthy struggle, on, uh, you know, what, is, what does that look like? How do you discover that for yourself? And then how do you channel that? There's a chapter called The Gift of Suffering, which, in my opinion, is one of the most important ones. Uh, the last chapter is called Love, Faith, and Fear, because this is another thing. People often say fear is the enemy of love, and I firmly believe, plus I kind of validate it with science, is flawed. I think fear is an expression of love. It's not the enemy of love. And if we channel it, fear can be a beautiful expression of love. And so... Um, the whole book will guide you to channel whatever experience in your life into something beautiful, and and so you can live a happier and more meaningful life. Even when the, even when you're experiencing the lows, you can find beauty in those lows. Yeah, yeah, nicely said. Um, so, look, where can they pick up a copy of your book? Uh, it's on Amazon, it's on Kindle, the physical copy, and or yeah. on Audible. It's all available. Uh, fear, fear of honor. Yeah, yeah. So, and guys, check you it, it out. I'll
0: stick a um, I'll stick a link in the show notes as well. So, um, use that why dot com and uh yeah have a read support support the cause um great missions there Aksha, so it's um yeah it's awesome i've got some questions yeah. that i want to ask you and i'm aware of your time you're probably um getting ready for your next run so <laughs>
1: <laughs> no all good man i'm all good i'm um let's go let's do this yeah
0: um so the questions in part perhaps we've answered them but the first one is do you have any routines or
1: rituals that you
0: believe contribute to your success
1: uh yeah touch time meditation but fundamental one is exercise like Cannot recommend that enough. One great neuroscientist says that if he could if he could put exercise into a pill form, it would be the best selling pill on all, all of all time. So exercise is the most important thing you can do in your life for your for your life, yeah, for very well being. Absolutely.
0: What advice would you give your 20 year old self?
1: Um, <laughs> to 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 live beyond yourself. Uh, at that point, I'd I'd just join, join the Marines and to really focus your entirety of your mission and service to something greater. And by doing so, you'll be able to better navigate your own struggles
0: how would you define success?
1: The constant evolution. If you're better than you were yesterday, that's a life of success. The constant evolution and growth of the self in service of the self and in service of others.
0: Nice. What is a tool, skill, resource, or technique that has
1: helped you improve your effectiveness or productivity? Uh, In terms of productivity, I would say chunking. So, like they're being very systematized about my, my time. So I chunk everything. So if it's, I try to schedule all my calls in one section of the day, you know, uh, balance it out working in structured blocks. So I work in 50 minute, 50 minute shifts, taking a 10 minute break, 50 minute shift, 10 minute break. And during those 50 minute uh, shifts, I know exactly what I got to do. So I chunk down my world uh, into one, one clear mission per structured work shift. And then after two shifts, I usually take a little bit of a longer break. Uh, so getting you know having clarity of purpose every single day so uh at the end of every night i say okay these are the top five things to do tomorrow and i so i have clarity of purpose clarity of actions every single day and then chunking those actions down into step-by-step missions throughout the day
0: yeah nice one what advice would you give
1: someone that is needing or wanting to make
0: some change in their life
1: fundamental thing that I kind of touched on earlier, the the most important thing you can do in your life is to build a positive relationship to suffering, learn how to struggle well, learn to embrace the experience of struggle, however it may show up. And that means exercise is a fan, fantastic way to do that because it's unless again, barring severe physical injuries or something like that, almost everybody can do it. Uh, and so get out there practice. If you can't run one mile, run one mile. If you can't run five, run five, right? Like push just beyond your limit, but not far enough that you're going to just die and, uh, <laughs> and embrace the practice practice of that. And it doesn't have to be just through exercise. You can be in anything. Embrace the practice of just struggling well. Uh, forget about the world that feeds this crap about like, you know, you can get six pack abs in 10 minutes a day of exercise that Trust me, it does not happen. Uh, so the world will feed you easy because the you know that's what they want you to buy, their stuff. But embrace the struggle of life, and there's beauty in that struggle. So find ways to embrace it, even if you, whatever you're struggling with right now. Channel it. Ask yourself, how can this be beautiful? What can I learn from it? How am I grateful for it? Uh, how can I use this in service of others? And just by asking yourself questions, your brain will start looking for answers, and you will start finding answers. But mm. that's really the most important thing you can do is to practice that experience of finding beauty in struggle.
0: Yeah, like it. If I was to serve you your last meal, what would you
1: request? Ooh, my last meal. Uh, <laughs> good question. I like, I love Korean food, but whatever, you know what just popped in my head? Maybe because I'm carb deprived right now is uh, fondue. I used to love fondue, man. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, fondue, but I love Korean food is one of my favorite cuisines as well. That's no, fun, and. What activity gives you the greatest sense of joy? Uh, I definitely say like, you know, running uh, uh, exercise does. But I would say when it's channeled into service, so whether it be like – I, mostly what I do with my work and, and in my running, it often has moments of just pure misery and pain and hardship. But when it's when it's done in service of something, like when I see my people – I get messages from people who read my book saying it's like their new Bible. You know, That is like the greatest joy. When I know I'm running for something, not just for myself, that's the greatest joy. So knowing that the work is being able to touch lives, that helps – not just give me joy but it helps me rise above my own struggle because as i said it's not like i don't experience it life isn't perfect all the time but that helps me rise above my own struggle in service of the continued mission at hand so i guess when it touches lives the work that i'm doing that's cool
0: if you could pass one book down to your children or future generations what would that book be
1: uh, I guess I can't say fear of Anna, but <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, you know, again, I put a lot of work into my book and I think it's a good one, but I guess another one of my favorites is the success principles by Jack Canfield. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good sort of summary of the overall principles of what it takes to live a successful and happy life.
0: Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. If you could message, quote, um, sorry, message, tweet, or text a quote to everyone in the world, a quote, phrase, or message, what would it be?
1: One of the absolute favorite quotes that I think really represents the ethos that I live by is from Vince Lombardi, where he says um, – I'm trying to pull it up because I remember exactly how it goes. But something along the lines of the greatest moment that we all have, the, the ultimate – the the greatest fulfillment to all that we hold dear. No, He says – okay, so this is how it goes. I firmly believe that any man's finest hour, the greatest fulfillment to all that he holds dear is that moment when he lies exhausted on the battlefield, victorious. Uh, and, and that I think is the essence of success is when we've worked our hard out for something, we find victories and that, that, yeah, that's, I love that quote.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nice one. Do you believe we all have a hidden
1: why or a purpose? I do. I think that we, I think we get to create it. Uh, I don't think in my experience of life in, I've been blessed to have experienced a lot of it in my research a self defined I think there's a self we get to create and absolutely believe there's a hidden why that most of us are not aware of it and uh and we get to create that and get to find that and get to evolve that as we grow and once mm-hmm. we do I mean like I think there's that quote that says right there's two best moments in uh, or the two best moments in someone's life is the, uh, when they're born and when they figured out why I think I forget who said that and how exactly it goes but something along those lines so I do think we have a why and when we find it it's a beautiful thing or when we create it
0: yeah, what is his name? Dwayne, something Dwayne,
1: something like that, right? You know what I'm talking about. I can't yeah, remember yeah, exactly yeah. How, how. Yeah, I yeah, can't I can't remember that one exactly.
0: Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's cool, and, and I really believe. Um, yeah, that, that is the process. You can create it. You can find the purpose. Um, you just Absolutely. have to seek it, and you said it beautifully before. You have to think about it and ask yourself those questions, and and through that um, process of questioning, and you can find you can find it. You will find the answers. Absolutely. <laughs> what does living life with passion and purpose mean to
1: you? I think living life with passion and purpose means getting uh, clarity on what your path is, on your worthy struggle, mm. if, you know, in those terms mm. and, uh, and being able to engage it with fully every day. You know, I don't like the idea of work life balance. Like Richard Branson says it beautifully too. He says, I don't think of work as work and play as play. It's all living to me. So stay obsessed on your path. I mean, I talk about my personal life in my work and I talk about my work in my personal life. Like that's constantly on my mind is my, you know, it, so I'm obsessed with my mission. And I think living a passion and purpose is, is having clarity on that mission that hidden why and letting it immerse you like letting it consume the entirety of your soul and that's a beautiful thing when when you have something that's so strong that it consumes you
0: yeah i like it and what do you believe is the underlying motivation behind everything you do what is the one primary motivation
1: service uh i think you know uh, Hmm. um service and, and love like i think Having gone through what I've gone through in life, I've been blessed to have seen the the best and the worst of humanity. And when you see that, you really kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say have to because it's still a choice, but in some ways I feel like it's my responsibility now to uh, use this life I've been gifted. I mean, quick anecdote, I just found out like a few months ago that my vehicle in Iraq drove over an active improvised explosive device and for whatever reason it didn't explode. I didn't know this until 10 years after the war. I just found Mm. out from my staff (laughs) sergeant That we drove over and actively didn't explode. And uh, like when you think about that, when you think about all the friends I've lost and all that, you know, it could have easily been me in some ways I believe it should have. And so I've been blessed with this life and now it's no longer mine to just live for me. It's a responsibility to do something meaningful with it. So – uh, I don't know if it sounds cliche or not, but I suppose service.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like it, man. I like it. I like all the uh, conversation that we've had today. It's been um, yeah, Likewise. truly Likewise, cool. Man. And um, you would love to continue it another time. So perhaps we'll get you back on um, when you're doing your next run or something like that and, and find sounds out a here, bit brother. more about um, how you went with this, um, this run. When is it starting?
1: October, October 1st, or September 30th, okay. yeah, October 1st. Mm-hmm.
0: So how can people connect with you and keep up to with what you're doing? And obviously, we can put the book links and stuff in the show notes, so that's uh, easy enough. But um, yeah, what what is the process for you? You got a website? Fear
1: Va- yeah, fearvana.com, that's F-E-A-R-V-A-N-A, fearvana.com. That's where you can reach out to me. I respond to all my own emails. Sometimes it may take me a minute, especially if I'm running across the world. But I do respond to all my own emails So anything I can serve with. I'm always, always here to serve.
0: Do you respond to the emails with a voice message while you're jogging up hills?
1: <laughs> well, I actually need to find a way to do voice notes while in emails because it's a little bit more challenging that's why I use WhatsApp for my voice notes but I'm sure there's a way to do that you just get better, trigger better. Yeah, yeah 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 I <laughs> gotta got find a way to do voice notes while in emails while I'm running <laughs> that's it
0: that's it mate well pleasure pleasure to connect and, and chat with you guys check it out nice. at thehiddenwire.com um, and, and support the mission there so yeah thanks for coming on the show mate
1: thanks a lot for having me
0: it was a real pleasure You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwhy.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwhy.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there. Um, and anything else really that you like to purchase through Amazon so use that link it helps support the show and we've also got a deal with Audible guys Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favourite books we've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or yeah subscribe to a 30 day free trial so check that out again at thehiddenwire.com guys. that's it from me you know what to do go out there breathe more passion into every single moment do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Marnutzi. until
1: next time peace, passion and purpose. See you soon.